God saw Abraham and said, Now I choose you. Leave everything you know and trust me. I will stay by your side and empower you so that through you, everyone will see who I am. God claims us. celebrate this morning this mile marker in the lives of our first graders and our three-year-olds. And our prayer is that these Bibles will tell them the story of God. And that in that and through that, they will come to know Jesus as their Savior and have a lifelong relationship with them. I was privileged to receive one of those Bibles when I was in second grade. The sanctuary looked a little bit different than it does uh, today. It was not even in this room. It was outside. The great room that we now know it today uh, was our old sanctuary. And I sat on the steps as a little second grader and got this. And it's been with me now. I used it until I was a freshman in college, because when you're a freshman in college, it's time to get an adult Bible. But this book that I received here helped me get to know God, helped me hear from him and know his character and know that I could step out and trust him. I would go to it and highlight random verses, whether I was struggling, whether I was doubting, whether I was searching for who I was, or just curious about who he was. This Bible was a component of me starting and building a relationship with Jesus. And he invites each of us to get to know him through his word, whether we are three years old or 23 years old or 93 years old. Sometimes it's hard to understand everything in this book. It was written in two different languages thousands of years ago. So it's okay that sometimes it feels like it doesn't make sense. And that's why we study it together. Sometimes it's really hard uh, to understand the Old Testament. But through the Old Testament, we see the beginning of this redemptive work that God is doing to reconcile his people back to himself. And in our current series, we are looking at the actions that God takes towards us in that plan of reconciliation and redemption. And why that matters to us. Each action that we're going to look at over the next few weeks shows a God passionately pursuing a relationship with us. The first action that God ever made towards us was that he created us. We were created to be in full and perfect relationship with God and with each other. But the temptation of Satan grew, and sin 
entered the picture, breaking that relationship with God and with each other and with ourselves. The decision to turn away from God created a fundamental issues for how people would interact with each other and with God from there on out. The temptation of Satan in Genesis 3 was based on a lie that you can satisfy your heart's desires through your own effort or the things of this world. And in Genesis chapter 11, we read that the people decided to build a literal tower so that they could make a name for themselves, so that they could reach heaven. They were striving, hoping, working as hard as they could to be their own God. And that drive led them to this outrageous idea that they could climb their way to heaven, that they could make it all on their own. What outrageous or ordinary idea do we have that make us think that we can do it on our own or climb our way to heaven and be our own God? We all have those ideas. So what did God do with this fundamental issue? Well, he stepped in and he stepped towards us. He knew that the brokenness, the running around, the striving to be like him, the misplaced understanding of satisfaction, the misinterpretation of love would eventually kill us, figuratively and literally. And he wanted to step, a, step in in such a way that we knew that he was a personal and intimate God. So he did it through one man. He said to that man, I choose you. For better or for worse, you are my people now and I will save you. And we pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 where God says to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed by you. Abram's name in this text eventually gets changed to Abraham in chapter 17. So moving forward this morning, just a side note, I'm going to refer to him as Abraham. Walter Brueggemann describes this text as the second creation story. God is promising a future that redefines the false hopes and the lies that people had been chasing after. This is the beginning of the gospel. The particularity of Abraham prepares us for the claim that salvation of all rests on the death and resurrection of one. God believes that one person is enough. One person is worth it. God was on a mission to restore what we had broken. He looked at Abraham and he said, you, I choose you. 
And I'm going to do things through you that you can't even begin to understand or imagine. God knew what gifts Abraham had to offer. He knew what brokenness he carried. He knew what he was capable of, both the good and the bad. No amount of messing up or walking away or lack of trust by Abraham or his descendants could supersede God's claim over him. None of that would nullify the promise that God made to Abraham. God had a bigger purpose working through these verses because these verses don't just reverberate through Abraham's life and through the Old Testament. They go straight to the Savior himself. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this Abrahamic promise. He is the seed through whom the promise of universal blessing will flow to all. And that is why this matters to us. Because now, through Jesus, we are the recipients of this blessing and the ones called to live it out in the world. You are chosen by a God who works tirelessly to pursue a relationship with you. That relationship is possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God looks at you and he says, you. I choose you. And I'm going to do things through you that you could never even imagine. The act of someone claiming us, choosing us, can be incredibly powerful. Our mission partner, World Vision, has started a new campaign to show the great impact and transformation that comes in giving kids the ability to choose for themselves who their sponsor is. They are empowering these kids to choose their sponsor instead of having their sponsor choose them. We're going to show one of the videos that followed this one woman and this girl named Anna and how their relationship met through Anna's choice. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm a little nervous. That's okay. That's totally normal. I wasn't really prepared for um, everything to change all at once. We had just gotten married. We had moved to a new city. Everything was so new and unfamiliar to us. And I started to um, really wrestle with anxiety and depression. I was just like, God doesn't have me. He's like not protecting me, like what is going on? And I was fully running away from him. You feel like you have to control everything, right? And so you're holding on so tightly to everything you have around you. And when you hold so tightly onto things, you feel more out of control. I just felt so convicted because I, I felt like I was like, I do have your back and um, you need to let go. How was your week? It was I actually thought it would be a nice idea to show you a little bit of what our conversation was from last time. You just relax and watch this video if you're Oh, okay. Yeah. Hello, Brianna. My name is Anne. I'm a year old. 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 
jago awewe. She just went to that wall and picked you. I just think for like someone to be in like those circumstances and to say like I choose you and I like you are strong and you like I love you and I'm looking at her and I'm like no you're strong. It feels like an honor almost. It feels like why would you choose me out of all these people around? Like someone drew her to me. Like I'm worth something to someone. And I just I look at this and I'm like this is like God chooses us every day. And he he looks at all of his children and he chooses to love every single one of us. This is a beautiful way to empower children around the world and a transformational way for them to interact with an adult who cares about them. And it gives us a glimpse as to what we experience deep in our gut when we realize that God chooses us. This claim of God isn't just for specific people. It isn't just for the religious or the good. This claim of God is for all of us because in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. We are all one. The story of God's redemption plan starts right here in Genesis chapter 12. It is the source of the spiritual ground on which we stand. We see that God is a God who claims us, but we also see in this text that he is a God who calls us and a God who commissions us. And out of each of these statements, I think there are three questions that this text asks us to look at in our own lives. There are six I will statements in the first three verses of Genesis 12. God is saving to Abraham, I've got this. He's not asking Abraham to come up with a plan. He's asking Abraham to take a step of faith and trust him. What God is going to do in and through Abraham isn't going to come out of Abraham's own effort. So Abraham needs to reorient his life to be around the ways of God and not himself. When God claimed Abraham, God asked him to surrender his home nation, his community, and his family, not because those things are of little value to God, but because in doing so, it was a very tangible way of Abraham reorienting or redirecting his life and his identity to be founded in God. A few weeks ago, Petey explained to us in his sermon that the culture at the time was not an individualistic culture like it is here today, but a collectivist culture, meaning that identity was found in your people group. God was asking Abraham to be defined not by the identity that his people group gave him, but to let God alone define him. Our response to God choosing us is to choose to live like we have been claimed by him. And sometimes that means redirecting or reorienting aspects or all of our lives to be centered around him. 
So the first question I think this text is asking us is who or what defines you? Who tells you who you are? Abraham realized that this claim over his life meant that there was a greater purpose or calling over his life. In verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, because this was bigger. This was meaningful. God put a call on his life. He gave Abraham a purpose that compelled him to respond. God was going to make Abraham a great nation, bring blessing from him and bring blessing to him in a very specific way. He was going to be a part of God's work in the world. God has a greater purpose for every single one of us. And he invites us to be a part of that, to be a part of the work of reconciliation that he's doing in the world. His calling over our lives will always involve what he's doing in the world. Frederick Buechner says that the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The second question is, what is your calling? What work or good thing is God wanting to do through you? This calling of God required God's power and God's hand to move, and it required Abraham to go. God commissioned Abraham to go into the world and to live out his calling. The Hebrew word for blessing in these verses is the word barak. This word, it doesn't mean that Abraham was going to receive material or monetary gains. It didn't mean that Abraham was going to have a pain-free life for the rest of his life. That's not what this type of blessing was referring to, as we might be tempted to think in our culture. This imparted blessing, it worked unconditionally and irrevocably. It was God's way of empowering and transforming Abraham in order for his promise to be accomplished. Abraham now had the presence of God and he was empowered to go out and live in the world on behalf of the king. This is the same commissioning that we get and we receive by living in relationship with Jesus and having the Holy Spirit work through us. With this blessing, we are sent out to be a part of what God is doing in the world. The commissioning is the active part of being claimed. Jesus said to his disciples that they needed to go and make disciples of all nations. But the myth that I'm afraid we so often fall into is this belief that Jesus is only going to work through certain people when those certain people are sent to faraway places or to deal with really hard situations. We don't think of our everyday lives as being the place that God sends us. But God uses people to impact people. 
And the world needs to know that they have a God passionately pursuing relationship with them. Look at how the good news of Jesus spread throughout the first church and up until today. It has always been about people telling other people about the saving grace of Jesus. The place you are being commissioned to is probably one of the places that you're already going. Soccer practice, work, school, home, Starbucks, in group projects, in the lunchroom, in a boardroom. And you have no idea what God is going to do when you show up on behalf of him. The third question is, where is God sending you? There is no one who God has not acted towards. There is no one who God does not want a relationship with. He chose Abraham to start working and weaving this beautiful redemptive plan through, but he didn't stop there. He went all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through Jacob and Ruth and David and Solomon to the New Testament, through Joseph to Jesus. And through Jesus, he goes to you and to me, and he says, I choose you. And we get to go out and we get to live through that. God said to Abram, I choose you. Leave everything you know and trust me. I will stay by your side and empower you so that through you, everyone will see who I am. God claims us. We're going to give you the first half or so of our last worship song to sit in that, to let that wash over you. Don't feel like you have to start singing right away. Rich and the band will lead you and they will invite you to start singing. But give yourself some time to focus on the fact that God claims you. And what does that mean? for you to be claimed by God. How does that impact your life?